Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Acts. It's one of my favorite stories in all of scripture, which is, I think, something I say every single day. Uh, in fact, the Ugandans even were giving my friend Dewey a hard time because every time he preached, it was a different verse, and every time he preached, it was, this is my favorite verse in scripture. <laughs> Uh, so, this week, one of my favorite stories, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19, and uh, here's what it says. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. All right, well... We begin a brand new series this morning uh, because we're beginning a new season in the church. All right? Anybody, anybody know what season did we start on Wednesday? It's a churchy word. Anybody? Lent. Yes. We started Lent on Wednesday. Lent is uh, this 40-day period leading up to Easter where we spend more time in prayer and fasting and in study. Right? And the whole purpose of Lent, because uh, you ask anybody... Uh, anybody who is a very strictly, I only do the things in the Bible, they'll tell you that Lent is not in the Bible, and they're right, it's not. Uh, but what is in the Bible is a directive from the Lord to spend time in prayer and fasting and study, right? So we pick the 40 days that lead up to Easter to do that, right? What better time than to prepare ourselves for this great giant event that's coming, right? Easter, it's like, it's Super Bowl weekend for the church, right? It's the inception, it's everything that we wait for. And so a lot of people uh, use this time to give up something, right? Uh, we call that fasting. And so we, we give something up so we can spend more time with God. Some people, they give up chocolate. Some people give up social media. Uh, some people give up coffee. 
right? There's a bunch of things we give up during these 40 days. And we do that, the whole purpose really, is to get closer to the person we're going to celebrate at Easter, Jesus, right? So every time we have a craving for chocolate or every time we're tempted to get on social media, instead we're supposed to then go to Jesus. That's the whole point of fasting, right? When you fast from food, when you get hungry, you're supposed to spend time with Jesus. We're replacing something we think we need with something we actually need, right? And so knowing that Jesus would be the focus of our pre-Easter lives, we decided that this season would be the perfect time to introduce you to Jesus, And for some of you, that may sound odd because you may have been following Jesus for a long time in your life. But I also have noticed lately that there seems to be a lot of misconception about who Jesus is and what Jesus stands for. For example, despite this historic belief in the church that Jesus is sinless, right? That Jesus lived a perfect life and he never sinned in his entire life. A belief backed by numerous different scripture references. In Barna's latest polls... Barna's our research group from the church, but in Barna's latest polls, they show that over 50% of Americans believe that Jesus sinned just like the rest of us. Over 50%, right? And I also know that time wanes on us. So we may have given our lives to Jesus 60 years ago and then spent every Sunday in church sent, but, but if we haven't put in the effort to work out our salvation, as, as Paul puts it, then what we know of Jesus is easily altered by the world around us. It is very easy to read into Jesus the things that we want Jesus to do, right? And and there's a lot of impacts that we have in our lives. Things like our family and our friends, our culture, our politics, all of it impacts how we view Jesus. And so today, we are going to begin a seven-week journey to reorient our view of Jesus back to the Gospels. What does the Gospel tell us Jesus is like? We're going to spend seven weeks examining what exactly Jesus does. What does Jesus do? Now, the trouble, of course, is figuring out where to start, right? Because Jesus does a lot of stuff in the Gospels. In fact, in John's Gospel, he writes that if everything Jesus did was written down, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain it. (laughs) That's a lot of stuff that Jesus did. So where do we start, and really, how do we boil it down to seven weeks? As I was considering these, this question, I was having a conversation with Pastor Diana with, uh, about some phone calls and prayers that we had each made for some of you, uh, because Diana and I sort of tag team uh, when it comes to the pastoral care stuff. And so we keep each other updated on prayer needs and cards that we've sent and visits we've made and that sort of thing. And as we talked about caring for one another and caring for the church, we were sharing the difficulty of knowing exactly what to say in situations that are beyond answers. Right? When, you, when, you, when you're going to pray with someone and there's really not a solid answer for the, the question they're asking, what do you do? And in the end, Diana landed on this statement that struck me for this series. She said, sometimes you don't need words. Sometimes showing up is all you need to do. And it struck me in that moment that the ministry of Jesus begins with showing up. Put very simply, Jesus shows up. He shows up at just the right time in history. He shows up in the lives of sinners and saints alike. He shows up for the disciples. He always seems to show up at just the right time. So as we begin the series, I want you to know that Jesus shows up. And as I read through the Gospels again recently, uh, I've come to believe that there are four key times when Jesus shows up in our lives. 
four key times. Now, if you're, if you're one of our church app users, um, well, A, if you're not one of our church, if you don't have our church app, you can go on our church website later today, click on the little phone icon on the, on the website, and you can download the app, all right? But I've got sermon notes in the app, okay? So if you're a sermon note person, it's where we're at, all right? Prepare your sermon notes, all right? Four key times when Jesus shows up in our lives. All right. The first one is this, and it comes from our scripture reading this morning. Jesus shows up when we don't want him to. Now, this one may sound a little funny, right? Because uh, often we think of Jesus as very kind, and I think Jesus is kind, right? And, but there are moments in our lives where, if we're being honest, we would prefer that Jesus didn't show up. Now, sometimes these are moments of embarrassment, but a lot of times it's moments where we are so intent on doing the thing that we want to do, that we know in the back of our minds that if Jesus shows up, we don't get to do it. So we don't really want Jesus to show up, right? And in our scripture reading this morning with Saul, Saul didn't really want Jesus to show up. In fact, Saul's plan was to go to a town and persecute all the people who thought Jesus was for real. Saul did not want Jesus to show up. And yet in Paul's circumstance, Jesus metaphorically kicks the door down on Paul's life, Saul's life. And he says, I'm here whether you like it or not, right? And in the end, I, I find that we're always really thankful that Jesus showed up when we didn't want him to because things tend to turn out better for us when Jesus does show up. But in the moment, it kind of stinks because we kind of feel a little reprimanded, right? Saul is a man of God. Right? He's, he feels he's on God's mission in this story. i gotta, I got to stamp out this group that is saying the wrong things about God. And Jesus just kicks the door down, and, and Saul is literally pushed to the ground and blinded. Jesus blinds Saul. And he makes him so humble, because it says, I mean, picture this. There's a grown man. He gets up off the ground. It says he is, he is completely blind. He can't see. People have to lead him by hand to the next town. And then when he gets there, he has to wait for this guy, Ananias, to come and pray for him. Now, when I read this story, uh, Ananias has got to be one of the most faithful dudes I've ever seen in my entire life, right? Because Ananias knows Saul's reputation. He knows that Saul's goal is that people would be killed, right? In fact, the chapter before this, uh, Stephen is stoned, the first ever martyr. Stephen is stoned, and it says that Saul is the one. They come and they lay Stephen's clothes at his feet, and he's pleased about it. So Ananias, when the Lord says, hey, Ananias, I want you to go pray for Saul, Ananias rightfully goes, excuse me? You want me to do what? And he says, you got to go pray for this guy. And so he goes. He prays for Saul, and so this says scales fall off his eyes. Jesus shows up even when we don't want him to, Right? Saul certainly didn't want Jesus to show up in his life. And Ananias, I'm guessing, when Jesus shows up and says, I want you to go pray for this guy who probably wants to murder you, Ananias is wishing Jesus wasn't showing up either. But he shows up. And because Jesus shows up, even when we don't want him to, we get this amazing testimony of what God can do in Saul and in Ananias. And so Jesus shows up when we don't want him to. Jesus also shows up when we don't expect him to. In Luke chapter 7, there's this great story. Jesus uh, goes to a town called Nain, N-A-I-N. And it says his disciples and a large crowd went with him. And as he approached the town gate, 
A dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. So he went up, and he touched the bier they were carrying him on, and the bears stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. And they were all filled with awe and praise God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people, right? This woman did not expect anything to happen, right? If, for those who, who, who believe in coincidence, right? Jesus just happened to be walking into this town at the same time that a funeral procession was coming out. And not just any funeral procession, but a young man who was the only son of his mother who was already a widow. Jesus happens to show up. And it says his heart went out to her and he raises the boy from the dead. So see, sometimes Jesus shows up when we don't want him to, but sometimes he shows up when we don't expect him to. This woman had no expectations. She didn't even know Jesus was going to be there. And yet there is Jesus in the midst of this tragedy, turning it around, making it something amazing. And so he shows up when we don't want him to. He shows up when we don't expect him to. But even more encouraging is that Jesus shows up when we expect him to. <laughs> See, there are moments in our lives where we're in great need and we know we're in great need. And so we take it to Jesus and Jesus shows up. He does something amazing. And there is something to be said, even about just Sunday mornings, whether it's, whether it's, it's the, the worship service or a Sunday school or a Bible study or whatever it is. When we come to a place with expectation, it's amazing how often Jesus shows up. I come to church every Sunday with an expectation that I'm going to have an, an, an encounter, an experience with Jesus, that Jesus is going to show up in my life. In Matthew chapter 8, there's this great story. It says, He got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And he replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? And then he got up, and he rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed. See, they expected in this situation, when things got rough. They knew that Jesus was there and they expected Jesus to do something. And guess what? He did. <laughs> Jesus shows up just as they expected him to. But I got one more place that Jesus shows up. And to me, it's the most important place he shows up. It's the most life-changing place he shows up. And it's the place I'm most thankful for that Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up when we don't want him to, he shows up when we don't expect him to, he shows up when we do expect him to, but more importantly, Jesus shows up when we least expect him to. He shows up when we are at our very worst. You know, I almost feel bad for some of the people in the gospel sometimes, because when Jesus shows up, they are at their worst, right? The, there's a man in Mark chapter 5, there's a man in Mark 5, and this man uh, has been... Uh, 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 possessed by demons. He has so many demons in him that he's, he's mad and he's, he's running around in a graveyard and, and they try to chain him up because he's so crazy and he breaks the chains, right? This guy is at his worst. 
right? If this is me in this situation, that's the time in my life where I'm like, I don't want anybody who knows me to see me right now. And it's that moment in that man's life when Jesus shows up. And in John chapter 8, there's a woman who's been caught in adultery. And the, 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 the chief priests and the elders, they all bring her and they essentially throw her at Jesus' feet. And they said, what are you going to do with her? Right? The worst moment in her life as she's being chastised, possibly stoned in that moment, is when Jesus shows up. See, I, I believe that Jesus shows up when we're at our worst. And most of us, we don't see ourselves in those two people's shoes. Because we think, well, I, that's not me. I haven't, I haven't been part of that. Right? I've never been at my worst. But here's, here's what Scripture says. In Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, it's one of the most encouraging pieces of Scripture you'll ever read. It says, you see, at just the right time, when, we're, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. In verse 8, the most important one, if you're ever going to memorize the verse, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, we may, we may have never been at a place where we were so possessed by demons that we're living in a graveyard. We've never been, we maybe have never been at a place where we've been caught in adultery or where we've murdered somebody or, or we've done those things that the church seems to think are catastrophically terrible, right? But Scripture tells us that every single one of us is a sinner the same. Every single one of us has had moments in our lives that we would consider the lowest point we've ever been. And it's at those lowest points, while we were yet sinners, that Christ died for us. Right? Not, not once we got our lives turned around. Right? Not once we recognized that we were sinners. While we were still sinners and we didn't even know it yet, Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up. And so if you need a miracle this morning, you have come to the right place. If you need even just a little bit of help, you've come to the right place. If you need somebody to kick the door down in your life, you have come to the right place. Because I've had enough experience with Jesus to know that he will show up in your life this morning. He will show up when you don't want him to. He'll show up when you don't expect him to. He'll show up when you do expect him. And he'll show up when you least expect him. When you are at your very worst, Jesus shows up. And Jesus can show up for you this morning. All you have to do is ask. Scripture says you have not because you ask not. You can ask Jesus to show up this morning. He's not afraid of your life. He's not afraid of your situation. He's not afraid of your problems. See, this morning we get to do this great act called communion or the, the Lord's Supper or Eucharist or whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of names. But when we celebrate communion together, like we're going to in a moment, we celebrate that Jesus shows up in our lives. We celebrate that we are not alone this morning. Because Jesus showed up at just the right time, it says in Romans. At just the right time, he comes and he gives himself for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When Jesus dies for us, it's Jesus showing up in our lives. So you are not alone this morning. Jesus can show up right now. 
I've read about him doing it in the gospels. I've seen him do it with my own eyes. He turns lives around. He changes our perspective. He heals our ailments. He transforms our relationships. Jesus shows up, friends. Just like he showed up in the lives of the disciples. Just like he showed up in the early church. Just like he showed up in my life when I was 17 years old and could not have been further from him. Jesus wants to show up in your life this morning. The only question really left for you is will you meet him here? And so if you want to meet Jesus this morning, if you need him to show up in your life in any way at all, and there's, there's two things I want you to do. Because after I pray here in a moment, we're gonna, I'm going to invite you forward to, to get your cup, right? You're going to get your bread and your juice, and we're going to remember that Jesus shows up in our lives. But the other thing I want you to do is after you take communion, if you need prayer, stay and pray. We've got folks who are here and willing to pray with you this morning. If you need Jesus to show up, let us introduce you to him. Let Jesus show up this morning. Let me pray. Lord, we're so thankful that you show up in our lives. That whether we feel good about the, where we're at right now or we feel like we're at the worst, God, you show up again and again. And so we come this morning with hearts of repentance, knowing that we have not sought you out. We haven't, we haven't tried to find you the way that we should. We haven't expected you to show up. And yet, God, here you are waiting for us. And so we're thankful this morning for the work that you did on the cross on our behalf. To show up even when we didn't want it, even when we didn't expect it. God, you showed up at just the right time you offered yourself for us to set us free from the curse of sin to set us free from ourselves and so Lord we thank you for this bread and juice this morning we ask that you would bless it that it would be your body and your blood to remind us of what you do in our lives to remind us that you've shown up before and you will show up again this morning So as we take the bread and juice, God, we ask that we would be blessed. That we would feel your love and your care for us. And that we would have a fresh encounter with you this morning as we celebrate your supper. And God, for those who, who need some prayer this morning, Lord, I pray that, that they would find you here in this place. You would show up in their lives this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. So Tom.